Amen. You have your Bibles this morning. I want to invite you to open them to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Last week we looked at these three disciplines of our faith, beginning in verse 1, that is the giving to the needy, also the Lord's Prayer, talking about prayer, and then fasting. And what we talked about was that these three disciplines are linked together. And what Jesus is doing as he is teaching about these disciplines, he's reminding them that their inner righteousness is significant, that it's not necessary that people see them when they fast or that people hear them when they pray or that their even left hand knows when their right hand is giving. But what's most important is that they are doing it with the proper motivations, that their hearts are seeking to glorify God in that which they are doing. What I want to do this morning is I want to go back and look at this one discipline with prayer, particularly because I think Matthew spends a, a great deal of time of talking about it because Matthew is reminded of when Jesus taught them this particular instance on how to pray. And I also recognize that as disciples of Christ, as those who are desiring to be more and more mature each and every day, this is one of those things that's hard for us. If we were to ask what's the most difficult discipline that we practice as believers, some people might say that reading the Bible is the most difficult thing. Others may say that fasting or giving is one of the difficult disciplines that we have as followers of Christ. But, but I believe all of us would recognize that having a vibrant and efficient, effective prayer life is difficult for all of us. We struggle in knowing how to pray and knowing what to pray. And, and if we're going to live as Christians in an unchristian world, which is what we've been trying to prepare ourselves for, we definitely need to be people who pray. We need to have an understanding of what's expected of us when it comes to this discipline of prayer. And Jesus, and Matthew records him spending a great deal of time encouraging us in our prayer So let's begin reading in verse 6 and go through verse 15 this morning as Jesus teaches us about prayer. Verse 7 says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, excuse me, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither Will your Father forgive your trespasses? God, we ask this morning, Lord, that you would help us. Even as we talk about this very act of coming before you and praying as we are doing right this moment, Lord, we, we pray that you teach us, God, as those disciples desire to learn, God, how to properly and appropriately communicate with you, God, so do we as disciples. God, we want to know. We want to know what you expect of us in moments like this. So, God, we ask that you would help us learn some practical things this morning that we can begin to apply into our lives so that our prayer lives, Lord, may become more, uh, Lord, more efficient and more effective, God. 
that they may, Lord, do what you desire for them to do, and that is, God, to display our faith in you. And, God, that you'll continue, Lord, to, to help us to grow and mature in our faith as we learn how to pray and, Lord, as we learn how to depend on you. God, let your Holy Spirit this morning speak to each and every heart that's in this place. And, God, as we come to the end of our time, Lord, we have a, an opportunity to apply this this morning. God, I pray that you would help us to see. Let your Holy Spirit show us areas, Lord, where we need to, we need to be more intentional with our words when we pray. And how we need to be more intentional, Lord, with setting aside a time to pray, God. And, Lord, let us determine this day, Lord, to, to grow. To grow in our in our prayer life, Lord, to grow in our maturity with you and as we desire to walk and be more like you. So, Lord, let your Holy Spirit in this place, Lord, move among us. God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for first loving us. And we pray this in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. First of all, I want to just give you a note that I think Jesus teaches us concerning prayer and and then after we do that, I want us to just walk through this prayer. I want us to walk through the Lord's Prayer and see what Jesus is teaching his disciples that they need to be praying. Hopefully you'll be encouraged to, uh, to begin or to continue a deeper prayer life. And, and as you pray throughout this next week and the coming days, that you'll be reminded of these things that Jesus has taught us to pray about. The first thing that I want you to see that Jesus teaches us is that our words don't have to be perfect when we pray but they should be intentional. Jesus' instructions here that he offers us about prayer are, as we said last week, they're, they're not to be seen by others, but instead they're supposed to be an inner working that happens in our own hearts. Remember what Jesus said in verse 7. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask. Obviously, Jesus is telling those disciples gathered that day that the phrases that they offer in the midst of their, pra of their prayers are, are not for the ears of the people listening, but instead they're to be for the God to which they are praying. That their words are to be intentionally offered to the Lord that is in heaven and not for those that might be listening or happen to be hearing the communication that's occurring between man and God. Uh, Jesus uses a phrase here that he says, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Now some translations, particularly I know the Christian Standard Bible, and I think the King James does the, the similar way, that they don't use this phrase, heap up empty phrases, but instead they say something like, do not keep on babbling as the lost do or as the Gentiles do. Do not keep on babbling as those who are seeking to impress others do. Do not keep on babbling. What Jesus is saying as he uses this phrase is, is that empty words is not what God desires. He doesn't desire the, the eloquence of our words in prayer. He wants instead our hearts, this idea of not to continue babbling or not to, not to heap up empty phrases. In the original language, it is what we know as in English an onomatopoeia. Do y'all remember an onomatopoeia from elementary school? Good. None of you do. Does anybody know what an onomatopoeia is? One person. There you go, two. An onomatopoeia is a word that is spelled and pronounced like the, the sound it is replicating. So a good example of that would be moo, right? 
Moo is spelled M-O-O. We say it as moo, but it also is the actual noise or close to the actual noise that the cow makes. Another example would be meow. That's another example of an onomatopoeia. It's words that are used that sound like the word that they're speaking about. So when Jesus says in Greek, when Jesus says, do not babble, do not go about heaping up worthless words. This idea of babbling, it is an onomatopoeia. Jesus is saying literally, do not stand up and repeat before the Lord, babble, babble, babble. Do not stand up before the Lord and heap up empty, worthless phrases. Now, we would never stand before God and say anything like babble, 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 but the message that Jesus is giving to those disciples is that whenever they stand before God, whenever they pray, they are not to be concerned about those that are beside them that can hear them, but also that their words are to be intentional. That what they say before God ought to be intentional words for Him to hear. That the words that they use should be intentional when they are speaking into His presence. When we come before God, we don't have to have perfect words. But listen, we don't have to have perfect language. We don't have to have eloquent speak. What God desires from us is just very simply that we come before Him with an ha a heart that is intended to speak to our Father in heaven. This should be for us as followers and disciples of Christ. This should be a relief to you that God is not concerned about your eloquent speech. That God is not concerned about the language that you use. That God is not concerned about how long or how short that your prayer is. That what God is concerned about is the intention of the words that come from your heart, through your lips, and to the ears of our Father in heaven. Jesus is telling His disciples, if you are going to live as Christians... In an unchristian world, when you pray, you should pray with great intention. Now, I understand. We all would recognize that there is a part of us, even if we have long been a disciple of Christ, if we have been praying for a long time, there is a part of us that feel as if we never know what is the right words to say to God. We feel like we never know what the right words are. We feel like we never know what we should be asking for. All of us struggle in this manner of our prayer. There's not a one of us that would say, I always know exactly what to ask of God or I always know what to say to God. And so when our words have to be intentional, we need to also recognize a biblical truth here that's taught to us in all of God's Word is that we always don't have to know what to say. I love the fact that Paul, whenever he's writing his church to, the letter to Rome, the letter to the church in Rome, I got that all confused, didn't I? He writes to them and he tells them, you don't have to know what to pray. Don't throw up empty phrases, Jesus would say, but Paul would also say, you don't even have to know exactly what to say. Be reminded of Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, when Paul says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we don't know what to pray for as we ought. 
But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches our hearts, He knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Even when we don't know what to pray, even as disciples when we don't know how to pray, we need to always be reminded that the Spirit intercedes on our behalf. Our prayers... They're never, they were never intended to be perfect and eloquent. They were never intended to be without any error or a certain length. They were never meant to be used in a certain language. They were just simply meant to be the heart cry of God's people to God Himself. And so Jesus is saying when you pray, forget about those that are around you. Forget about being perfect in your prayers just come before God intentionally pour out your heart behind him and for him and when you don't know what to pray don't worry at all the Holy Spirit will utter on your behalf this is what Jesus is teaching those disciples and if these disciples if they are going to be prepared for the world that they are about to face it's going to be because they have communication with their Father who is in heaven. And if we as a church, if we're going to be able to live as Christians in the unchristian world in which we live, we too have to be a people that are disciplined in prayer. Jesus, he recognizes they're not supposed to stand and heap up empty words or empty phrases. They're not to go around babbling. Instead, he says, you ought to pray like this. And so he gives us, beginning in verse 9, an example of how we ought to pray. And what I want to do now is I just want to simply walk through this prayer to encourage you to pray these things to our God. The first thing that he says is, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The first thing that we, he teaches us is that we should consider the character of God. Listen to what Jesus says. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You see what Jesus is doing? He is, he is reminding us he is intentionally pointing us to the character of God. He uses a word here, Father, which is a word that we use to recognize the one who has birthed us, right? The one who we are following behind, the one who is our dad. The word that is used is that intimate word, Daddy, there that, God, that Jesus uses here. And he's telling us that not only is God our Father in heaven, but he also says that his name is to be hallowed. What Jesus is doing here is he is reminding us that God is an, an intimate God who cares about us, who loves us, but he is also a God who is holy, who is separate. It's what this word hallowed means. And when we approach the throne of God, certainly we are approaching the throne of our Father in heaven, but may we never forget that when we pray, when we bow our heads, and when we utter words before our God, His name and His presence is holy. See, this is important for us. It's important for us to recognize, not so we would think that we need the perfect words. Jesus has already told us we don't need that. But it's important for us because when we recognize God's character, when we recognize the character of the one that we are praying to, we can have an assurance in our heart that he can see to everything that we are asking. You see, I pray to God because I know God is able. I pray to God because he is holy 
I pray to God because He can answer the prayers that I petition before Him. Uh, Ravenhill, Leonard Ravenhill, he's famous for saying, we rarely enter a prayer meeting that we do not hear the words, I'm sure that God can. This is the way we enter our prayers, right? We enter our prayers with the, the faith that God can indeed answer that which we are asking of Him. And we believe that because we believe that He is our Father in heaven and His name is holy. It is hallowed. He is able as a result of who He is. When we pray, when we bow our heads, when we ask this God who is in heaven, whose name is to be hallowed, what we are saying is, is that we trust that He is able to accomplish that which we are unable that he is able to answer these prayers that we cannot answer ourselves that he can fix the problems that we cannot fix on our own this kind of faith in our prayers comes from the character of the one that we are praying to Ravenhill goes on to say this kind of faith in our prayers it links our impotence to his omnipotence it links our inabilities to his ability to answer what we ask. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Secondly, we should consider the kingdom of God. We should consider his character, but we should consider his kingdom. Jesus is turning the minds of those disciples from their own wants and their own desires to ask for his desires praying for God's will to be done, praying that God's kingdom would come. It is often not seen as a surrender of our own will. Sometimes we pray these prayers as an affirmation of what we've already lined up to do. You know what I mean. Sometimes we come before God and we say things like, Lord, this is what I have decided. Bless it. God, this is the direction that I'm going. Bless it. Lord, this is what we're going to do. Now, bless it. But this is not what Jesus is teaching us. Jesus is saying that our prayers, your kingdom come, your will be done. It is not giving God our plans and asking for his blessing. It is surrendering our plans and asking God for his will to be accomplished. That his kingdom would come first and foremost. That his, that his desires would be the center of our heart. Let's talk about this practically. Because many of us have prayed for things that we have asked God. Maybe particularly we've seen someone that we love that has been struggling with their health. And we would pray, we'd say, God, it is our desire that you heal them. Or maybe you're on the opposite side of that prayer. You've sat by the bedside of somebody who has struggled for weeks and weeks. And, and you come to before your Lord and you say, God, would you be merciful to this believer? Would you be merciful and take them? Both of these prayers, God, heal them, or God, be merciful. Both of these are, are good and right prayers. But ultimately, what we ought to desire as believers in Jesus Christ and faith-filled followers of the Father, ultimately what our prayer should be is not what I desire, Lord, but what you desire. How difficult is this for us to surrender our own will, for us to surrender our own desires and plead before God, for God to supersede our own heart's desire and, Lord, allow your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, consider God's kingdom more than we consider our own desires. You don't have to have a perfect prayer. 
Jesus tells us this. You don't have to have a perfect prayer. You don't have to have an eloquent prayer. You just need to have a prayer that recognizes His character and focuses on His kingdom and His will to be accomplished. The next thing I want you to see begins in verse 11. It says, Give us this day, Jesus says, our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Third, I want you to see that Jesus and teaches them here to, to pray for His provision. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Clearly, Jesus is encouraging these disciples to ask God for those things that they need. Sometimes we wonder whether or not it's okay to ask God for, for stuff. We wonder if it's okay to ask God for things. And I would say... Jesus is teaching us that it is perfectly appropriate for, to ask God the things of necessity. It's okay to ask God for daily bread, a necessity. It's okay to ask God for the things that are necessary to sustain you physically. But also we have here this prayer that, that our sins would also be forgiven. God, give us our bread, but God, forgive us our debts. While we need to be sustained physically in order to serve God, in order to be a disciple of Christ, we need more than that. We need this forgiveness of our sins of God. We need this forgiveness of sins initially for our salvation. We have to ask for the forgiveness of sins so that we might be saved. But what Jesus is saying is that we need forgiveness of our debts every day. Every moment we approach before the Father, we need to ask Him to forgive us of our sins. God, forgive us of those ways that we have sinned against you, those times we have missed the mark, those times our lips and our tongues have said things that they shouldn't, our minds have thought things that they ought not, or our feet have stepped in places that they should not have stepped. You see, Jesus knows that our sin, it hinders our relationship with the Father. And this plea of a continued forgiveness by His followers it's making right again, restoring this relationship that we have been afforded by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Jesus between us and the Father that is in heaven. We need every day, we need to ask God to forgive us of our debts. Everything we say in this room may not be 100% all the time, but that one is. That one is. That is a prayer that every one of us need to make every day. Restore our relationship with you, God. Forgive us our debts. Restore our relationship with you. And then, obviously, it says our human relationships will be restored as well. We need to pray for his provision of daily bread, but also daily forgiveness. The last thing that you see here. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We should pray for God's protection. I want you to put your mind where Jesus is in this moment. As Matthew is recording this, this is the sermon on the mount, Jesus is standing on a hillside and his disciples are listening to him in an amphitheater-like setting. And Jesus is reminding them what he's already taught them, how they should pray. 
And those 12 disciples, soon and very soon, they will, they will walk with Jesus into that garden, the garden of Gethsemane. And, and, and soon, very soon, only a few years, those guards will come and they will take Jesus and they will put him on the cross. You see, Jesus knows full well what every one of those disciples in due time will be experiencing. He knows that the devil is going to tempt them. He knows that Satan is going to put doubts in their minds. He knows that there's going to come a moment when they're going to doubt whether or not he really is that who he claimed to be. I would say between those days of Friday and Sunday, Satan tried his best to, to pull those doubts into their minds so that they would doubt that Jesus really was the Son of God. And Jesus knows that they're going to need the Father's protection from the evil one if they are going to be able to continue li to live as Christians in what was a very unchristian moment in their lives. Jesus baptized by John, immediately wanders into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. Satan didn't put Jesus in the desert. Jesus went to the desert. And he stayed 40 days and 40 nights. And there he fasted and he prayed. And we know after 40 days and 40 nights, after Jesus fasted and prayed, Satan came to Jesus. And Satan desired to tempt Jesus in every way. And Jesus, having experienced all the temptation that we might experience, was sinless. You see, it should be of no surprise to us as we look at the disciples and even as we look at Jesus himself that when we pray, we ought to pray for the protection of our Father who is in heaven that we ought to pray that he keep us from the evil one, that we ought to pray that he keeps us from sinfulness, that we ought to pray if it is at all possible for us, God, keep us from sin, keep us from temptation, keep us from the evil one. Jesus begins this teaching by saying, your prayers don't have to be perfect. Don't heap up empty phrases or go on about your babbling." But instead, be intentional when you pray. Pray like this. Pray recognizing His character. Pray like this. Pray considering God's kingdom to be done. Pray for His provision of your forgiveness, most certainly, and pray for the protection against the evil one so you might not slip into sin. Jesus gives these disciples a, a means by which they might begin this path of communicating with the Father. One of the most beautiful chapters of Scripture in all of the New Testament, particularly in John's Gospel, is John chapter 17. In John chapter 17, we have a recorded prayer of Jesus. And in that prayer of Jesus, Jesus prays for His church. He prays that we would be sanctified. It's one of the things he prays for. Our process of sanctification, of becoming more like Christ, of becoming disciples who can live in an unchristian world as little Christ, it must involve praying. This is a discipline of our faith. Maybe the most difficult discipline that we have as followers of Christ, but a discipline 
all the steel that Jesus requires of his followers. Remind, be reminded of those first three words that I read in verse 7. Jesus says, when you do it, when you pray, when you pray, not if or not on the occasion, but when you do it. It's an expectation of our, fa- of our Father in heaven. An application real quickly. First of all, I think we need to be intentional in prayer with our words. Sometimes we get caught up in praying. Sometimes I get caught up at the end of my sermon in praying and repeating everything I've already told you in the last 30 minutes. Sometimes I get caught up in heaping up empty phrases. Sometimes I get caught up in praying, babbling, and just going on and on. And what Jesus says is, don't be that way. Be intentional with your words when you come before the Father. You know, it may be that that short prayer, help me, Jesus, may be a much better prayer than one that's five minutes long, it quotes scripture and that uses King James English. It may be that that short heart cry, the words are so protected that that prayer is more meaningful. So be intentional with your words as we pray this week. Let's be intentional with our words. And the second that's really, really important for us, if we're going to practically apply this in our lives, is be intentional with your time. A man who doesn't schedule time to pray will not be a prayer. It's necessary for us. It's one of those disciplines in our faith that we're not going to stumble on. You're not going to stumble on intentional time to pray. It's something we've got to make a part of our lives. It's something we've got to set aside time to pray, set aside time to do. It's one of the disciplines of our faith. Jesus asked us when we pray to let it come from our inner righteousness. Last week, that's what he told us. Today, he's reminded us that that inner righteousness means that we give him a heart cry, not babbling words. What about, what about your prayer life? If you were to evaluate your prayer life, where would you put it? I think all of us struggle in this discipline and Jesus is saying rest just come before your father and cry out to him God we ask Lord that you would help us as we begin Lord to evaluate the depth of our own prayers God I ask that your Holy Spirit would would convict us Lord of where our life is lacking God, maybe we go through the motions and, God, we just heap up empty words. Correct us, Lord. Discipline us, God. Maybe, God, we we don't set aside the time to appropriately communicate with our Father. Discipline us, God. Correct us this morning. Let us be determined, God, to be a church that's known as those who are who are walking intimately with their Father. And it's, it's reflected, God, because the individual believers in this place are walking intimately with the Father. So, Lord, Lord, help me, God. Help me to walk intimately with you more this week than I did last week. God, let me be intentional with my words as I come before the very throne of our Father in heaven. And, God, let me be more intentional with my time this week to intentionally spend a moment with you.
throughout my day that it may be said, God, that we are consistently praying. God, as we stand now and we worship, Lord, it's a time for us to reflect on what you've said. God, it's a time for us to worship you because of who you are. God, let us, let us continue, Lord, as we move forward during this time to accomplish those things. We pray and ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.